0: i uh-huh. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Dime Dropper 2021-22 Post Game Recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. Today was a very, very hectic day in the NBA. Two LA games, the Clippers and the Grizzlies, the Lakers and the Bucks. But before we can get to those games, I need to talk about the big trades made today. Starting with the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers finally made a move. They finally broke up the CJ McCullum, damian Lillard tandem. In my opinion, a year, two years honestly, too late. I thought they should have broken it up. If you go back to my original glorified Summer League podcast episodes. I said after they lost in the bubble that it was time to make a move. And I think I'm pretty sure I said it last year in the preview. I said it this year in the preview. And finally, they made a move. And unfortunately, I just don't think it was a very good return. CJ McCollum was traded to the New Orleans Pelicans for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I'm pretty sure they didn't even get Herb Jones or Trey Murphy. And they got their pick this year. So likely, the Portland Trailblazers will finish... You know they could drop now to like as low as 13th, so you could get a seventh or eighth pick, including your own pick, which is going to be like the Pelicans are going to probably make the play-in now, the 10th seed. They're uh, in the 10th seed right now. C.J. McCollum now on, with Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram finally has some help. Finally, the New Orleans Pelicans made a good move. You know, after trading Lonzo Ball away, now imagine if they had Lonzo, C.J., Brandon Ingram, and Zion next season. That would have been Really something. But now we got C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram together. Two guys that can score. You know, does C.J. McCollum guard? No, he doesn't really guard. But at the same time, he can score. And the, the the Pelicans need guys. You know what I'm saying? They just need guys that can play. And C.J. McCollum is a guy that can help that team instantly. And it's a great move. I think it's for Portland, as I said. And, you know, you think they're going rebuild. Then Woj tweets out that Damian Lillard, they're looking to retool around Dame. And... That's just crazy. But I'm not tripping that much on it. Because again, I always say that, you know, a lot of teams rebuild too early. I don't think that this is the case. But it's also like, okay, you give up Damian Lillard, you go full on tank mode with picks, and, you know, you want to go for young prospects. Who's to say that any of those prospects will even be as good as Damian Lillard is when he's healthy right now? Do you know what I mean? Like, even if this guy pans out to be like, you never know. But for every Damian Lillard, you know, there's a guy, there's a Shabazz Napier. Do you know what I mean? I like Shabazz Napier. He a beast at UConn. But I'm just saying, he was top 15 pick, I believe. Or he was he was top 20, and it just didn't pan out. You just can't guarantee it. You know what I'm saying? We, we Clippers drafted one Shea Gilgis Alexander. Next pick was Jerome Robinson. I don't even think Jerome Robinson's playing right now. So. At the end of the day, to me, when you know the way the Portland Trailblazers are thinking about it, I think it's like we're not gonna have Damian Lillard forever. If he wants to be here, let's build around him. The problem is they've taken too long, you know. So the official trade is this: the Pelicans sent out Josh Hart. Oh, I forgot about Josh Hart. I like Josh Hart's game. Obviously, Josh Hart came over in the Anthony Davis trade. Josh Hart, Saturansky, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Didi Luzada. I've never heard of that. And then. A protective first-round pick. And the first-round pick is number 5 to 14 protected. Oh, wow. So that means that the Pelicans will probably keep their pick. Because if it's going to be between 5 to 14, they'll probably keep their pick. That's unreal. So the Blazers, I mean, they really are not getting much out of this at all. They kill Alexander Walker, Josh Hart, and Sadoransky for CJ. I mean... Blazers are doing some ugly business. They also sent Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell to the Pelicans. Those guys can help them next game. So I'm going to try to watch some Pelicans games as this season goes on, renew my League Pass subscription, and start getting into it. Because the reason why I didn't get League Pass again is because I didn't feel like many teams changed. But this is a change. And a team that we can pro- we're can we likely going to see Brandon Ingram play his first game of postseason importance in a playing game. And that's going to be awesome. He deserves it. Zion, dude, get healthy, get in shape. They need you back next season. If they can't be this season, next season. Like, come on now. This is, they've got it. No more complaining that Brandon Ingram and Zion don't have assistance. Like, you just got CJ McCollum. This is a guy who's been in the conference finals that has hit big shots in playoff games against great players, has been in the playoffs year in, year out. He's The Blazers made it to the playoffs, what, seven, conse- eight consecutive seasons? I think they may have one of the longest streaks active in the league. And obviously that streak will come to an end this year. So we're going to see what happens with Dame. If I was the Blazers, I'd hold out Dame for the rest of the season. But TJ McCollum, he's going to definitely go down as one of the better Blazers of all time. Um, Is he better than Clyde Drexler? Okay, forgive me for even entertaining that. But, you know, Terry Porter, is he better than Terry Porter for the Blazers? Probably not. Uh, but he's in there. He's in there somewhere in the top 15 or something, probably. But it is what it is. The era is over for Portland with those with that team. But I didn't even realize that it was a protected first-round pick. So if the pick falls between five, 5 and 14, then the New Orleans Pelicans get to keep it. Oh, it says if it doesn't convey this year, the first-rounder kicks to the future for the Trailblazers. So I guess, I don't know, that'll be... That'll be interesting. But anyway, the other trade, the one that really, really surprised me, the Indiana Pacers traded to DeMontis Sabonis, who we knew that they were shopping. We knew that the Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, and DeMontis Sabonis, they're trying to get off the books. They're trying to go full-on rebuild. Karis LeVert went to Cleveland the other day. DeMontis Sabonis now goes to Sacramento. The Sacramento Kings got an all-star caliber player on their hands. But at what price? Tyrese Halliburton. I couldn't believe it. You just don't see a player in their second year who starts out with so much promise traded like that. You know, Sabonis is an established star. And you know, some people are saying that he's hit his ceiling, and I thought so for a second too. Then I realized he's only 26 years old. So Sabonis could still definitely get better. But it's like, man, Tyrese Halliburton's probably gonna be a future All Star. He's got so much upside. And at the end of the day, they also got Buddy Heald's contract off the books. So Buddy Heald's going to Indiana, along with just no, I'm sorry, Justin Holiday's coming to with Sabonis too, and Jeremy Lamb are all coming to Sacramento. Buddy Hield and Tyrese Halliburton are going over to Indiana. And yeah, they got Buddy Heald's contract off the books. But it's going to be interesting now. You know, it's clear that the Kings chose De'Aaron over Tyrese Halliburton. And it's also clear to me that the Indiana Pacers, you know, I think they probably went for Fox and they wanted more than the... The Kings probably, you know, didn't want to give up Fox uh, for their return. They probably weren't willing to give Sabonis up for De'Aaron Fox. They wanted Tyrese Halliburton. You know, De'Aaron Fox has been in this league for... This is his sixth season. He's having a down year this year when it comes to shooting the ball, especially from three. Tyrese Halliburton is starting to show everybody not only is he smarter than De'Aaron Fox, he's a better playmaker, and he's going to have a a bright future. He could end up being a better player than De'Aaron Fox. I like De'Aaron's game, but Tyrese could end up being better with his smarts. He can shoot the ball better even though he's got a funky Magic Johnson-like shot. But, yeah, to me... The Pacers, you know, they they probably weren't that interested in De'Aaron. And they probably didn't put up that much of an offer for him. And the Kings got... So let's look at it from the Kings side, right? So the Pacers get Halliburton. That's great. Sabonis was great for the Pacers. I think it's going to be an interesting move. And it's going to be very intriguing to watch the Sacramento Kings now. I think there's not much excuse for them to not make the 10th seed. The same way it is for the Pelicans, though. And I think the Pelicans are going to edge them out because it's the Sacramento Kings. But... De'Aaron Fox now has an all-star on his hands. An all-star. Like someone who's been in the all-star game twice. And that's Sabonis. Now the question is, Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes. Holmes, Holmes is a good rim protector, energizer bunny. But he operates around the rim. Sabonis can stretch it. But when Sabonis is posting up and Rashawn Holmes is in the dunker spot, will it be hard to score? Can Sabonis combat those double teams, that loading up that they're going to do? Will he get deep enough post position so it won't even matter if they double team him sometimes? These are things that need to be considered when talking about this team. Um, It's going to be very interesting, though. And it's it's really like, look, they lost Tyrese Halliburton. The Kings, I saw Twitter was going crazy about how stupid the Kings are. And you know what? That's fair. But at the same time, they got a healed contract off the books. They got the best current player in the deal. That's Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. Let's see how they pair. I thought that the Hat Burton, similar to the Collin Sexton-Garland situation, and Colin Sexton will be moved this offseason. I think with Karis LeVert signing or being traded there, I think that is it's confirmed even more. And I think that, you know, in today's NBA, we always look at best, not best fit, just best available player. And we're seeing now two situations with Sacramento and Cleveland, where we drafted two. They drafted two point guards basically, and they're trading one of them because of the fit. And so Tyrese is the one that's gonna that goes the other way to Indiana. I I bet Sacramento Kings fans are not happy about that. And then. Colin Saxton will wait till the summer, but interesting trades, huge. It's going to be really interesting to see the new-look Kings and the Pelicans, the Blazers and the Pacers. They're going tank city, so we'll see how they do. But we should go over the details of the Sabonis trade just before we move on to the Lakers because, oh, that was an ugly one, as we expected, right? Six-player deal. So the Indiana Pacers receive Tristan Thompson, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton. Sacramento receives Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Jeremy Lamb, and a future second-round pick. So, so future second-round picks, whatever. To the Pacers, win the trade long-term, but who knows? If the Kings can get into a playing game or even back to the playoffs next year, that's what they want. They need to break this playoff drought because it's just gone on too long. They haven't made it since my first year watching basketball in 06, So. We'll see how it goes. Let's move on to the Lakers tonight playing against the defending champion Bucks. I ch- talked about the Clippers against the Bucks last night when we got destroyed on Sunday. And the Lakers got a couple days rest from their Saturday game against the Knicks. And they looked not well rested tonight. You would have thought that the Bucks were the team that was more well rested. And you know what? The first couple of minutes were not even that bad for the Lakers. LeBron came out shooting a lot of threes, though, and he shot four threes in like the first six minutes of the game. And three of them were very quick in the shot clock. So I want to say something here. When, when, When LeBron shoots threes, I said this many times. And he's shooting a career high in attempts and threes, and that's obvious with his age. He's gonna do that more. He's really developed his three ball. He's he's shooting thirty six percent this season. But the thing about LeBron is that he's always been so great because he gets the defense to collapse like like with the snap of a, of his finger. You know, he can get to the rim at any time, and he can get the defense to collapse. You know, when you don't, when they're not hand checking him, and you know, they're letting him, as modern NBA goes, no hand checking as as listed he gets to the rim at will and even with some guys hand checking if they're not good enough laterally to stay in front of him then they're getting cooked as well it's the mix of guys that can move their feet and hand check that really get him but the point is lebron can get to the rim at will regardless right or used to be able to he still can but it takes more out of him now when he shoots threes especially when they're quick in the shot clock or when he's just holding the ball a long time and shoots it. These are possessions where everybody else is losing rhythm, we're losing interest, losing flow. And every single miss is maximized because it's just one guy having the ball. And the Bucks are having a lot of guys involved. Everybody's touching it. It's a team that knows each other. And this Laker team, when I watched them play with Russ LeBron and Anthony Davis— they still come out in first quarters with the big three kind of like trying to appease each other, trying to figure it out. And this goes to two things. One, the lack of practices, which is an, is a thing with many teams around the league today with not um, not enough full speed practices. And then the other issue is obviously the lack of games that the three have had. Now, Russell Westbrook has been the only constant of the three, but He's so low on confidence, and especially when Braun comes back and he feels the need to have to defer a little bit as well, it's like he looks more and more, like every single touch of the ball is amplified because he knows he's getting less touches. He knows that the spotlight is on, and he knows with every miss and every turnover, you can just hear the groan of the Laker fans. He says he doesn't care about being booed, but you can see it in his body language that it's affecting his every single decision, and it's tough. And, you know, the Lakers came out and hit their first four shots were all threes in the beginning of tonight's game. Two of them made made by LeBron, one of them made by Ariza, and one of them by Malik Monk. But, again, a lot of threes to start not putting pressure on the defense, where when you look at the other side, Giannis is getting to the line. Giannis was doing that pick and roll with him as the screener or handing it off, basically like a dribble handoff with the ball handler curling to the right and the whole left side isolated. And that's a tough rotation to make when you have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Pat Connaughton. Or should I say Bobby Portis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton on the weak side. You know what I'm saying? All shooters. And Bobby Portis has just been phenomenal. I talked about him last night, uh, how he's done with Brook Lopez out. He has a great mix of actually being able to post up. He has a nice right-handed jump hook, and he can pick and pop. And he plays tough defense, and he plays hard. Crazy eyes Portis. I mean, he he's been really great. And he was fantastic in both these games, Clippers and Lakers. But my point is the Bucks put more pressure on the defense because Giannis constantly puts pressure on the defense. You know, Giannis figured out last year it's much better for him to be the screener than to be the ball handler in a pick and roll. And despite the fact that Eric Bledsoe, they like to say, oh, it's all Eric Bledsoe's fault. He was starting and that's why we lost. Okay, you got to be able to adapt a little bit, and you know Eric Bledsoe can be told no; he can be taken out of the game. That's partially on Mike Budenholzer, and he took a lot of flack for that. But at the same time, Giannis didn't need to always bring up the ball, even with Bledsoe uh, there, and you know his decision making was charging into the defense in the bubble, and you know just you, he would get open threes. But again, it's the same thing I say when with with what I was saying about Randall the other night. What I say about guys that like to dance at the top. Everyone can watch you. They can they can cheat off of who they want. They can force you to pass where they want. When Giannis is the screener, it's much tougher because he's rolling to the rim. You have to have a guy rotating. You have to, which will leave a shooter open. And obviously, if you just send the 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 guys to Giannis, that will leave a guy like a Grayson Allen or a Drew Holiday open to run rim run. And you saw that that was happening a couple of times in that first quarter. Giannis had a dunk early from Bobby Portis, and then there was the one where there was the late switch. And I think it was Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton, one of them, or DiVincenzo, one of those white boys, gave him the ball, and he just, Giannis just shrugged off Malik Monk like it was nothing. But I think a point of the game where things, by the way, the Lakers, they were creating a lot of solid shots in the beginning. But one thing I do not like about their approach is that I think the biggest X-factor for the Lakers, and I've always said this, is Anthony Davis. And I think that LeBron, honestly, and I think this is something that needs to happen, he needs to not try to score in the first quarter. I think this is a sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying not score at all, but not a quick three with that's contested. Do you know what I'm saying? Not dribbling at the top. If he gets the ball in the mid-post, that's different. That's fine. But I think LeBron should really look to dive to the basket off the ball in the first quarter, or set screens, or just chill for a little bit and just lock in on defense in that first quarter. Because the Lakers just do not come out with energy at all to start games. They come out scoring points, but they trade baskets. And eventually, when LeBron comes out and LeBron's shooting threes, then everybody else gets cold, No one's in rhythm, and then THT's coming in, they're trying to figure it out. Here's my thing. Anthony Davis tonight, he got one touch, real touch, for more than the second in the first four minutes, he got blocked by Giannis on an ISO. Okay, great defense by Giannis. It happens, but he did not touch the ball for a while after that. It was just Malik Monk dancing, Malik Monk catch and shoot, LeBron shooting threes. Ariza was getting sagged off, and they, he got some open looks, made one of them. But Ad and Russ just not really getting the ball. And Russ, it's okay. He's not in a he not, he's not a good in good form right now. But Anthony Davis. Just kind of, and not even, it's not even like you have to throw it to him on an iso. Like, come on, set what, what, to, what about LeBron, AD, high pick and roll? What about Russ and, and Anthony Davis, high pick and roll? It was just so many possessions with Anthony Davis just kind of being a passenger. And, you know, I think that also could be a strategy of Vogel. He had AD starting out guarding Giannis. But every time, you know, they set a screen for Giannis, it forced the Lakers to make a decision. And AD had to step up on the ball handler because, as we know, the Lakers' point of attack defense with Russ and Malik Monk is weak. They don't get over screens. They die on them. And it makes the AD have to overcompensate. And that's what was happening again tonight. And Giannis made his first three and a pull-up mid-range in the first quarter over Anthony Davis. And I'm going to say it again. If Giannis is hitting his jump shots, it's just done. He's the best player in the world. And tonight, I think it was a huge statement made by Giannis. I think he wanted to show everybody tonight I'm better than Anthony Davis now. I mean, he's been better than him for a year now. I'm better than LeBron James now. And he showed that tonight to me. I really think it wasn't just one game. I think Giannis, I've never seen somebody overpower LeBron. And I'll get to the specifics later in the recap. But he was, his hunger is just, it's not even close in terms of league-wide on both ends of the floor, how hungry he is on each play, how much how aggressive he goes up on each play. When he gets a mismatch, he tries to go post up. You can see his body language. For example, Anthony Davis also, he's not, like, I say that they, that Russ and LeBron need to look to get him more involved to start games, especially when LeBron's coming out shooting threes and stuff. Like, you can do that as the game goes on, bro. Like, you're the one that's the least, we have to worry about the least because you're the best player. You're, you're LeBron James. Anthony Davis, he's wishy-washy. So you got to get him going in the beginning of games, just like in 2020. That was one of the biggest things about the Lakers in 2020. They used to come out and smack teams in the face because LeBron would handle the ball. He would run high pick-and-rolls with AD and some post-ups with AD. AD was phenomenal. He was hungry. But they would get stops and get transition baskets. They don't have transition baskets anymore. They don't get stops. You know, they don't get stops. And when Giannis, as I said though before, when Giannis is making shots like that, Making jumpers, and you know the thing is i'm still not fully sold on the jump shot yet because he still has such terrible misses. You know what I'm saying like in the in tonight 's game, he still had some bad misses, but he clearly looks more polished in the post, which is something that I've been calling out for for a while with him. And I even said last year he's improved, but it's still not all the way there. I think he's just so strong, and he was smarter about where. He started his move about being the screener, like I said before. But he is now starting to get better every year. You know, he hit LeBron in that second quarter or late first quarter with a turnaround jumper over the right shoulder, a taste of LeBron's own medicine. And he kind of shook him too. And when I, I noticed when when LeBron bumped, because LeBron loves to bump and he's strong in the post, when Giannis bumped right off the or spun right off the bump, that is something... That's instinctive. That's where that Jordan, Kobe's of the world, used to do that. You know, the second you feel the bump and you spin, he knows the weight, he knows where he wants to go, and that's something that he's I have not seen from Giannis in the past at all. So, and especially, you know, to do that against LeBron, and, and LeBron looked like a, he looked shook. He got frozen. And that was really impressive. And then later in the game, he pump faked him on the same move because LeBron knew he had hit it, so he jumped and bit. And LeBron's pretty good about not biting. So that was just really crazy to me. And then there was another play where he literally just stiff-armed him, gave him a taste of his own medicine, and then leaned in and jumped in and, for a layup. I mean, Giannis, he went at LeBron tonight. And LeBron actually, after the beginning, where what, what, I, I think the Vogel switched it with LeBron guarding AD, or Giannis is the primary guy, because then when a screen is set, AD would be one of the rotating guys. But it didn't work out very well. They started. Go- Lakers started just going to switch everything to not try to give up mismatches because the Bucks started hitting threes too. You know they started out shooting the ball really hot tonight. It wasn't like the Clipper game where they got hot in the third quarter. They came out firing tonight. Drew Holiday mid range swishes. Chris Middleton hitting everything, pulling up in dudes faces, coming off screens, going to his right. You know, Chris Middleton is just very underrated. I know even even after he's won a chip, I still think he's underrated. He's such a good shot maker. He can kind of hit from everywhere on the floor damn near, and he hits tough shots. And he plays defense too, and he's, you know, strong, and he's it on that end of the floor. But Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, like these guys also came out and hit shots. And, you know, I think one possession that was pretty crucial in what really started giving the Bucks momentum is this. Giannis, I'm sorry, I believe it was Malik Monk was isolated against Bobby Portis on a switch. He tried to go at him and he lost the ball. And then, so I, I, as, as he lost the ball, Pat Connaughton went in for a dunk. Within five seconds... LeBron shoots a can. Russ just sprints up the floor, and I'm. I think it's these possessions where Russ and LeBron just try to isolate right away without even passing once is are really bad. Are really bad because this takes a star like Anthony Davis out of rhythm, you know. And it's on both LeBron and AD. Russ. Does it more? You know, Russ will just go to the left wing and try to get ready for his bank shot, like without passing. And I just don't think that that's right. I don't think that that's a good process. And I don't think that the Lakers should push. The pace in half court. When it's half court, you work for the best shot. When you get a rebound and a stop, then you push the pace. And I think they have a really bad judgment of that. And Russell Westbrook, you know, he. So as I said, they get Malik Monk turns it over. The Bucks score. They come back the other way Russ sprints up the floor, throws to LeBron in the left corner. He's like, "Hey, I'm two of three from deep." He shoots it contested within a second misses, and the Bucks did the exact same thing they did the other night against us where they pushed it on every miss and made teams pay in transition. And the Lakers, you know, not communicating. AD, sometimes slow getting back. Russ, oftentimes slow getting back. LeBron, not great either. And then they came back the other way and Bobby Portis scored. Lakers called a timeout. And then off of the timeout, Malik Monk turned the ball over again. So Malik Monk, in my opinion, and here's what's happening, is like Malik Monk has been after LeBron, the second-best perimeter ball handler lately. You can even argue all season it's been that bad for Russ. But when Malik Monk is getting this many touches with the ball and Russ is off the ball, it's even less advantageous. So it's so... It's just fucked up right now, man. It's just fucked up. you got to find a way. What, what Vogel's doing right now is trying to minimize and give Russ a smaller role. And try to find a way to get around that. But the I just don't think it's going to work. The only way is to find a way to get the best out of Russell Westbrook. And that's going to change this team. But I just don't know if they can do it. I don't know if LeBron's capable of playing with this guy. You know what I'm saying? Unless... Russ is just making his shots and being very efficient, but it's, it's easier said than done. You know, I, I'm mentioning Malik Monk. Then there's one play where LeBron comes up and is running pick and roll, and Russ again is off the ball. And then AD got an open elbow shot. This is still in the first quarter, mind you, like right after this run I explained. And AD hasn't touched the ball in like three, four minutes, he got blocked, and he hasn't really touched the ball after. He comes out and shoots a 10-open, 12-footer, doesn't even hit iron. That's a sign of he's cold. You have not gotten him going. And another thing is the Bucks, as I said, they're switch-everything team, right? So when AD gets Drew Holiday on a switch, and Drew Holiday is one of the best post-defending guards in the league, super strong, got a great base, lower body strength, everything, AD just kind of bends his knees a bit and puts his hand up. When Giannis ja- and he gets pushed out, when Giannis has a switch, he goes deep. He gets his arms wide. He he get no. He gets his arms wide to seal, and then he gets his hand up, and he's constantly working it and trying to find angles for the entry pass. That's desire. That's hunger. That's not settling. That's and that's a skill in itself. And I think Giannis is better at that skill in terms of post positioning than AD. He's the best in the league in the modern game at positioning off the ball, like seals post all that to me. And he was taking advantage of these chumps, man. He was taking advantage. And then, so LeBron comes out of the game, right? And Russell Westbrook's in with, like, Malik Monk, THT, AD, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, who did not start again tonight. They go with Ariza. And I I honestly, again, neither of those two are starting caliber. And, you know, then. I want to say the Lakers miss Melo tonight, but they don't because they just could not. Stay. Their scoring isn't their problem. The Lakers have shot creators. They cannot stop guys. And when they play against the big teams, the good teams, you see it. You see it clear as day that they cannot contend because they cannot get stops. Like the Bucks, not only do they move the ball more on each shot they get, they get better looks. They're more connected on defense. It's just more of a team. You know what I'm saying? The Lakers, they're all over the place. And their communication is constantly fluctuating on defense because they're not—they don't have consistent lineups playing together. It's like it's a disaster. But again, going back to the Anthony Davis not getting touches to start the game. When LeBron came out of the game, they ran two sets for AD. One, they were just like—or not for AD, but just a normal involving him in the action for once. Besides that block, one was Malik Monk on a little dribble handoff. They went underneath the screen. Malik Monk shot a three from the top and missed. Again, though, so many threes to start the game for the Lakers. I know some of them were decent looks, but it's like you're not feeding it inside. You're not giving Anthony Davis touches. You're not letting Russ and AD run high pick and roll. Like you're not even letting maybe clear out for Russ. You got all shooters out there. I know it sounds you know you're not trusting what Russ has been doing lately, but I mean, just shooting a bunch of threes to start the game. I'm not with that. And the next play, though, Russ and AD finally ran a high pick and roll. And Russ, who actually, I'll give him credit for this, is one of the better entry passers on this team. And probably the best after LeBron. He threw a nice little lob, entry pass, AD scored and, and one That was the first action besides that one I just mentioned, the possession before. So only the second action he'd really been involved in after, besides that isolation against Giannis where he got blocked. And it was at the 4:06 mark of the first quarter. Like... This is your this is your guy that's in his prime right now. You need to get him going. You can't LeBron can go out and get his threes all night, but you need to get AD going. And mind you, AD uh Giannis came out of the game in this first quarter when it was 17 to 12 and the and the Lakers did not make up any of this. They it was 24 to 15 when Giannis checked back into the game. Or 26-17. 26-17 when Giannis in the game. So the, the Bucks increased their lead by four points. And I think that the Lakers in that lineup that I just named just now actually got a ton of good looks. Austin Reeves got open threes. Stanley Johnson got open threes. Taylor Horton Tucker got open threes. Got open shots. Russell Westbrook... You know, when he gets the ball open on the perimeter, it's like, oh, my God, it's terrible because he's super indecisive. He shouldn't be shooting the ball. The crowd doesn't want him to shoot, and they make it known now. It's just a disaster. He starts fumbling. He starts traveling. He had a couple travels. He had a travel today where he just ripped through and traveled. He had one where he tried to go right at Giannis or somebody. I think it was Giannis off a made basket. Just went, Again, just speeding it up for no reason, turning it over. Work the ball around, man. Work the ball around. And it was just going from bad to worse. Russell Westbrook turning it over, but again, as I'm saying, the Lakers got a lot of good shots in that first quarter. They with this lineup that LeBron was out, they still got a ton of good looks, but they just weren't making it. While the Bucks were, you know, the Pat Connaughton's, the Drew Holidays, the Chris Middleton's, they're making it. They're making shots. Pat Connaughton made a three-ball late to put the in the first to put the Bucks up 13. So the Bucks going into the second quarter were up 38 to 24. And it just got bad. went from bad to worse. I will say, though, the Lakers, as the game went on, they, they kind of found a way to exchange baskets. I thought that LeBron's defense, when he started guarding Giannis, picked up his intensity. Even though he got cooked a couple times, you love to see him actually going out and taking that challenge. It's just that the Bucks are just a better team. They're more organized. They get more stops. They get out and run. And I thought Russ actually played pretty well as the game went on. He started actually having some really nice cuts. There was that really nice play where he had a no-look pass to LeBron cutting for a reverse dunk that should have been an and-one. And I think there was another one where LeBron and Russ ran a pick-and-roll, and they linked up well for that, and I'm pretty sure Russ scored on it. And I was thinking to myself, like, that's good. This is what they need to do. Problem is they can't get stops, and they've already dug themselves a hole. So that's the thing. Is that the Lakers, they come up with this fake run, late in the game, and try to, you know, get back into things. But it's too late. And I guess a team like Milwaukee, they're not going to let you slide. And when the Lakers started going with switch everything with Giannis was getting guarded by Russ on switches, he would go to the post, and I love it. Giannis's post game is better than AD's because he goes to it more. He gets deeper position, and he, yeah, he goes to it more and gets deeper position. AD has a nice running hook. Giannis doesn't really have a running hook. Um, not a consistent one that I've seen. AD has a turnover both shoulders. Giannis, I've only seen right shoulder. But he doesn't go to it enough. He doesn't know when to go to it. He does not get good enough position. He doesn't fight for it enough. So it's irrelevant. Giannis now has better post game than him. Uh, Giannis is really working on that, I've noticed. You know, he goes right to the post with Westbrook, and he gets the double team, which causes the defense to be in rotation. Bobby Portis getting open threes. Pat Connaughton. And Bobby Portis doing a great job taking advantage of his mismatches. But... It all starts with Giannis. It all starts with his aggression on the offensive glass as well. He just outworked them. He looked like the best player on the floor tonight, and he really, really may be the best player in the world. I am not going to give him that crown yet, though, until I see it in the playoffs one more time with a healthy Kevin Rant and Curry. If he wins the championship again this year, though, Giannis, and right now, I'm looking, I'm going, I'm, I'm. the way it's looking, I think I'm more, most set on the Bucks. honestly, because I really think Giannis he the reason why I may give him the edge over Curry and Durant is not just the defense, but he generates easy baskets because he's so physically imposing, and that's the thing, guys. And right, he's always been physically imposing, but now he's got getting the brain and he's getting the skill. And when you put the brains and the skill with the physically imposing height, what is, what does Kevin McHale say? Tall skill beats small skill every day of the week, and everybody wants to think about Kevin Durant's skill, but. It's also about the power that Giannis uses. He's not as skilled, but power, easy baskets, Kevin Durant shooting contested jumpers. What's putting more pressure on the defense? Giannis. So if he wins the championship this year, consensus best player in the league. But we'll see. It, I, if he, he, I'm not saying that he has to win to be the best player in the league either. He, I just want to see the performance relative to Stefan and Kevin Durant. And Jokic is in this conversation too. But I think LeBron, a clear fifth right now to me. And Joel Embiid, honestly, Let's I'm not ready to say he's better than LeBron James. But we'll see in the playoffs. Because when Joel Embiid's like that, he's in his prime. you know. But as I said, Laker offense, better in the second quarter. But, I, but they were just too, Giannis was a matchup problem every time. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't guard him as the roller on the pick and rolls. And because and the three guys were just getting open threes. They tried switching. He got double teams. It was nothing. And you know the crazy part is like the Lakers actually got pretty good shots, I thought, uh, throughout the game because LeBron AD and Russ still garnered double teams and loading up and all that stuff. But the guys just weren't making their threes. And it went from bad to worse. Lakers made the fake comeback, but it wasn't enough. AD started playing well in the fourth quarter. Started playing with energy, with heart. You know LeBron. I thought he had a pretty decent game overall. I just think that his approach was wrong to start the game. I thought he was looking too much for his own shot. Um, I thought his defense was his defensive effort was better. It was solid, but he just couldn't guard Giannis. But who who can these days? Giannis. He had an insane game. Forty-four points, fourteen rebounds, and eight assists to go along with a steal in two blocks and zero turnovers. On 17 of 20 shooting, which is 68%. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, I'm sorry. 17 times 5. 17, 34, 68, 85%. My goodness. Chris Middleton, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. He was awesome. Uh, he started out hot from three, only ended up shooting three of 10 from deep, but eight of 19 overall. Bobby Portis, 23 points, nine of 18 from the field, and five of nine from deep. 15 and fifteen points. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, 23 points and seven rebounds. Drew Holiday, seven of 12 from the field, 15 points, seven rebounds, 10 assists, elite defense as usual. Grayson Allen had 12 points on five of nine from the field, and Pat Connaughton had eight DiVincenzo had eight. 131, 116. The Milwaukee Bucks win it at the Staples Center in commanding fashion. I want to say the team stats before I go to the Lakers' line. The Lakers actually shot 52%. Um, The Bucks got 11 more shots, though. Second chance opportunities. There were large stretches in the game where the Lakers just did not look into it as much as the Bucks, did not look as hungry. You know what I'm saying? Get a body on Giannis. Get a body on various guys. And I think the Lakers also, a big problem. First quarter, too many turnovers. And the Bucs punished him on every single one. You know, there was one where LeBron just, in the first two minutes, the ball slipped out of his hands and Giannis got a dunk. Then Malik Monk had several turnovers. Then Russ has turnovers. You know, 16 turnovers overall for the Lakers and 25 points punished off of them by Milwaukee. Um, They actually ended up having the same amount of points in the paint. The three-point shot, though, is kind of the separator. The Lakers shot 32 of them. The Bucks shot 36 of them. Lakers, 10 of 32 for 31%. Milwaukee, 15 of 36 for 42%. And that was the big difference in the game. Their role players were knocking down shots, but it's also because, it's mainly because Giannis putting immense pressure on the defense. Anthony Davis, like this is unacceptable to me. 22 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists on 8 of 10 shooting. He got to the line 10 times, which is awesome. Definitely the most in, of any player on the Lakers. Missed four of them. Six of 10. That's not good enough. Eight, you can't be shooting 80% and shoot 10 shots. Like It's unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable. Uh, LeBron shot 19 times. It was 11 of 19. Three of seven from deep. So he only shot three more threes as the game went on. He did a better job going to the rim. But there were a couple times where he just looked old and slower, like, he just didn't have the same lift going to the basket, missing some chippies, a couple times he definitely got fouled and they didn't really call it 27 points, 5 boards, 8 assists 4 turnovers for Braun Uh, his defense was better, I think he wasn't bad but, as I said, his approach to the game, I just don't don't really think it was great and as I said, LeBron, he's not really like, he doesn't go off the ball, I think honestly when Russ is out there LeBron should just be exclusively on the wings and high post and like, off the ball, kind of in terms of like to start possessions i don't think he should i don't think he should start i don't think he should start possessions bringing it up i don't think that they should do much pick and roll with russ just standing around like i really think they should keep that to a minimum um and have lebron sacrifice a little bit in that sense but i don't know if that that's not going to happen um, I don't. I'm guys. I'm not saying like I'm just saying this because Russ is playing so badly. LeBron has tried things. I'm not saying he hasn't tried things. He hasn't tried to be more off ball. He has shot more catch and shoot threes this year than any year with the Lakers. But it's just it's just not enough. But Russ, I get it. He hasn't proven that he can be trusted. But it's like, what are you gonna do? Like you know what I'm saying? What are you gonna do? You gotta figure something out. You gotta cater to him. He, you gotta gain his com- throw It's all about confidence. You gotta get him back. But anyway, LeBron did have an efficient stat line. He came back in to try to help the fake comeback, but it was done. And when he came back in, weirdly enough, the momentum shifted against them. Westbrook, 10 points, 10 rebounds. He actually had some really nice rebounds tonight. Five assists, but four turnovers. Three of 11. Again, just not shooting well enough. Malik Monk, 20 points on 7 of 16. Three of 10 from deep. So again, 10 of his shots, threes and You just don't want, I like, I think Malik Monk has been fantastic, but you don't want him to get too confident where to the point now he really thinks he's a star and like it's just going to be taking away shots of everybody else. Stanley Johnson did great in garbage time 16 points on 7 at 13 plus four. But again, the Lakers fall short. And honestly, it's just not a good exercise to test them against this caliber of opposition. They're thoroughly outmatched, Um, they're just not good enough cohesively. And, yeah, the Lakers are not close to championship level right now like Milwaukee. So they got to build chemistry by staying on the court with the big three and beating the weaker teams. Thankfully for them, they don't get to see the Bucks anymore this year. Clipper game, guys. I'm not going to go into it much because we're already over time, and I want to go to the live subscribers. We got beat by a Grizzlies team that's had our number all year. They were all over us. They're longer. They're more athletic. They're young. Marcus Morris Sr. and Reggie Jackson, if they do not shoot well – it's just not going to be a good night for us against the caliber of opposition that they are this season. Marcus Morris Sr. was 1-6. of six. He was poor after having some good games. Reggie Jackson, 5-14. He's in a slump. Isaiah Hartenstein, good stat line, but he did look a little bit... He hasn't looked on the same since he's come back from that injury. Norman Powell, 16 points on 6-12 of 12 shooting, but we couldn't defend them. Again, the John Morant pick and roll, it was lethal. Jaron Jackson Jr., again, he was fantastic. They always have the best part on the court with John Morant playing us without Paul George. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. may be better than anybody we got. He's been amazing sh- blocking shots this year, spacing the floor, making four-on-three reads when John Morant gets blitzed in pick-and-roll. And he's also been really aggressive, finishing around the basket and going straight through guys' chest this year on some Giannis shit. So, and then we know already know about Desmond Bain. He didn't shoot very well tonight, but you know he makes a difference. He's, he He's a floor spacer. He plays defense. Brandon Clark, 18 points and 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 blocks off the bench on 9 of 12 shooting. Kyle Anderson, 11 points and 8 rebounds on 5 of 10 shooting. So they got help off the bench. They kicked our ass. 135-109. to Clippers dropped to 27-29. and Thankfully, though, the Lakers also lost. So we don't get too much uh, out of that. As it stands around the league, the New York Knicks are in 12th place in the East. I had them finishing 6th. It's looking like they're not going to make the play, and I have no problem with it. Last year was a fluke. It is what it is. Julius Randle, he was batting above his average last season. News came out that Bradley Beal is going to be out for the season, basically, wrist injury or something. Was it wrist? I believe so. Yeah, wrist. And I think that's it for the Wizards. They're going to finish in 11th. So the playing teams, Atlanta will be there somewhere. You got the Charlotte Hornets, So I, I definitely will put money on it, that they'll be in the play-in. But the way that these Brooklyn Nets are collapsing without Kevin Durant, they've lost nine games in a row. And they're now in the eighth seed behind the Boston Celtics, who are 8-2 and two in their last 10 and have won six in a row, beating up on weaker teams, which they should be doing. They're getting t- taking care of business. And Jalen Brown and, J- and Jason Tatum are starting to play together more this season. And you know what these kind of wins do? It builds confidence, builds chemistry, builds camaraderie, builds good habits against shitty teams. And that's going to be big. So if the Celtics start playing better, watch out. Raptors, six games above five hundred. I had them at the ten seed before the season. They're at sixth right now. They're playing fantastic. And then I think the Bucs are going to finish one like I predicted, actually. Eventually, I think they're going to get to the one seed. The way they're playing, won four games in a row, eight and two in their last 10, came to LA and handled biz. Lakers and Clippers have the same amount of losses in the loss column. We're just a half a game above them in the win column. So it's getting tight, and we have a really tough schedule coming up. Lakers have a tough schedule as well. Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. I appreciate it. We know the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Probably no episode tomorrow. Thanks, guys, and have a good night.